Cowabunga, my dudes, and welcome back to a brand new fake nerd cinephile where I dig your vibe. We are rocking here in the half shell to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. What a mouthful of mutant it is. Uh, this is coming out late because, you know, strikes, but we had such a great time, uh, seeing this movie, I think, I don't know, I haven't talked to everybody actually, um, <laughs> but I had a great time, I'm so excited, this is one of my favorite things of the year, boom, telling you right out front, here we go, we're gonna have a great discussion about it, hope you're excited, here we are, Mute Mayhem, I am Sparks Woody, I'm joined by Ryan Eliopoulos. Hey, what's up dudes, I'm feeling just very tubular today. And of course, Ben Magnet. So how do you guys all feel about pepperoni on pizza? Perfect. It's the perfect pizza. Yeah, pretty damn good pizza, if you ask me. Can't disagree. And cool. Brandon T. McClure. Well, since my hashtag was Blandon for a while, I'll just say I prefer a cheese pizza. Not. <laughs> but if it had to have a topping, pepperoni is the perfect topping. Pepperoni is a good topping. That's yeah, what I like. There it is. That's there it is. Hey, boys. All right. We're here to talk about this very exciting new animated uh, film for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let's uh, Sponsored uh, get, by Pizza Hut. Let's get first reactions, y'all. Uh, ben? Oh, Brandon wants to say something first. Hold on. Well, I have, the, I have the credits. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I was excited. Nobody made this movie. No, so it's directed by Jeff Rowe and Kyler uh, Spears. Jeff Rowe direct, is the co-director of Mitchell's vs. the Machines, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, written by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, Jeff Rowe, Dan Hernandez, and Benji Samet. Nice. Love All it. right. Now we can get into first reactions. All right. Benjamin Magnet, let's start with you. This movie's rad. This movie is just, it, it is truly a vibe. And I am saying that in all intents and purposes of the word. It is fantastic. I, I cannot say the last time. I mean, the last time I loved a Ninja Turtles thing so much was Shredder's Revenge. And I think this tops that. And that just happened. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say, oh, you mean the last, the literally the last thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this movie's great. This movie's fantastic. Nice, love it, uh, Ryan. I I love it. I normally don't go to the movies twice, but Ben, my friend Ben here, asked me, you know, on my on my day off, like, hey, do you want to go see Turtles with me? Uh, and I was like, sure, I like that movie, fine. And I saw it a second time, and. I, I, it is also one of my, it is going to be in my, in my top 15 hands down. I don't know how high it'll be, but like, I, we're all nerds. We've all known about the turtles. I don't know how much, you know, we all have different histories of the turtles. Like I, I think they're cool. I've never loved them. I love this movie. Mm -hmm. This, if I saw this when I was a kid, this would make me the biggest Ninja Turtles fan on the planet. I can't imagine kids watching this movie for the first time and like just how fun it is and all the fun cameos of all the celebrities that we love also playing fun characters like it just feels like the perfect mix of like seth rogan and evan goldberg they are like honestly like like the nerd gods uh because like they know how to transform uh properties into gold like they did it with invincible they did it with preacher they're doing it with this i've done other things that i haven't mentioned because i forgot what they are but uh i think this is a blast i almost have literally no negatives like it's short it's sweet it packs a punch it's got uh, a great message. It's the best X-Men movie released in the last 10 years. I love it. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> uh, I will uh, pull off Ryan's energy because I also had the privilege of seeing it twice. I went with friends of the podcast, Jeremy and Xander, oh. um, and had the privilege of sharing that movie with them because they were like, oh yeah, well, <clears throat> Xander was interested in seeing it. Jeremy hadn't even seen a trailer. 
So he went in absolutely blind, oh, and he awesome. was he was gobsmacked. Did he know that Trent Reznor was doing the score? He had no clue what yeah. he was in for. Oh, um, oh, oh, he had zero idea of what he was walking into. Uh, it was a joy. It was a thrill. And seeing it a second time really reaffirmed that I'm like, the first time we saw it, I came out and I was like, man, was that a perfect movie? Yeah. And uh, the second time I saw it, I was like, holy shit, that's a perfect movie. Um, and that's where I stand on it. So we'll get into it. Brandon, how are you feeling? I like it. I like it a lot, but I didn't love it. That's fine. At least you and like I'm, it. I'm kind of upset about that, I'll be honest, because I, I've kind of, I've always wanted to be into the TMNT. I, I've seen the movie. I saw the first movie in the 90s. I saw the first Bay film, which I don't really care for. I like the 90s film. Um, I've read some comics. I've seen some animated shows. And I've never, it's never really clicked for me as a franchise. It's never really quite gotten me there. And it's always something that I kind of, I want to keep trying because I'm like, this, there's, I want to be into this franchise. But, and I was, and watching this trailer, I was like, this, could be the one. This could be the one that gets me like into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, in fairness, I've only seen it once, and uh, so maybe in a second watch, I'll, I'll I'll love it. But right now, I fall just below love, and you know it is what it is. But I'm, I'm I am now, a little upset about it. Uh, you saw this much later than the rest of us. I did. Um, we. Th- th- the audience will never have context for this. Um, we, we're recording this a couple weeks after Mute Mayhem has been out, and Ben, Ryan, and I all saw it when it came out that weekend. Um, mm-hmm. But Brandon just recently got to it. Uh, do, you, do you feel, not necessarily by us, but just in general, there was an overhyping for you? That's a, that's a good question. It's possible. Um, certainly certainly that happened with, when I went to see um, uh, the most, the, the, the biggest example of that happening to me was Mad Max Fury Road, where everyone told me how great it was and I went to see sure. it. I was like, yeah, it's good. Sure. Um, so it's entirely possible that that's what happened, but I don't feel like it is. I, I would, I would like to give it a second watch though, to see if, if my, if I do kind of hit that level of, Oh, I like this too. Oh, I love yeah. this. Yeah. I, I, I asked because I was thinking like, I definitely know I repost anything that's like praising the movie mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just because I want more people to go see it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, uh, maybe, maybe it's a factor. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm still excited to get into it. Yeah, I uh, think, I think the the best way to start is with is with the core four, the turtles, because yeah. you know yeah. that is that is the movie. But like, the thing that really, really, really works about this movie is like this is all the, all the incarnations of the turtles. They they're teenagers, but like they, they don't feel like they're fifteen years old. Especially like I I I will defend those 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 produced Bay movies. I think those are a lot more fun than people give them credit for. I think a lot of people went in those just wanting to hate them because specifically they came out at a time during bad Transformers movies. So like he didn't even make those movies; he produced them. But like those movies are very different, and those are like forty year old men as as teenage mutant ninja turtles, right? They they are very big and hunky, and Johnny Knoxville is one of the voices. So like we've never really, besides maybe some of the animated stuff that I have seen all of we have never really had these are 15 year old teenagers who are also ninja masters Mm -hmm. and that is what this movie excels at is that these guys are expertly trained but they're also outside doing Fortnite dances and they're also like swooning over girls that they've never met before and they're acting like children as children should act uh and you have a dad who should be acting like a dad but he's also a rat man (laughs) and this entire movie is about family and about being accepted but it's about giant warthog monsters and flying monsters and it's just like what an insanely good fun 
uh, movie that everyone can enjoy, like on a family level. Like it's not too gruesome, and like it's it's like a perfect like all ages movie with an incredibly good message that I think like lands really strong. Uh, because again, I care about these kids so much. I love them. I did not want to see them get milk, not at all. <laughs> um, that is that I, I do appreciate a good a good ridiculous running joke, and I I I, I adore the milking bit how it came up, especially when it revealed that uh, when it's revealed that that is exactly what's about to happen to them. Um, I want to bounce off of what you said though, um, which is that they feel like teenagers and that 100% absolutely correct. Um, I, I think one of the things that works really well is that you cast teenagers to act like teenagers in the recording booth. One of the things that I think su- this movie succeeds very well in is having the four actors who play the turtles in a room together, recording their lines together. And you feel that in their dialogue and their scenes together because it, it, it doesn't feel like it's four kids recording lines in separate rooms at separate times. It feels Absolutely. like four kids in talking to each other in the moment and they're animating around that. And I think that's, that's where the biggest strength of this movie comes from. If you don't have that, the movie fails more than it would otherwise. And I, I think that's, that, that yeah. was incredibly smart of them to do, to, to just go with that route. I, if I may, I think the strongest part of this movie are the four meet or the four leads are the turtles themselves, because I hundred percent believe I was hoping when I was watching this is like if these kids aren't together they're doing a damn good job, but the fact that they were recording their lives together it makes this film even better, because they are they they're able to play off each other so well they're it's so natural. And yes. like Ryan said, and even when the first trailer came out, when I was like, this feels like the teenage part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles actually feels real. Because for the longest time, even myself, when I was growing up, I would watch episodes of the original animated show. I would see clips from uh, the newer TMNT shows. They were all like, a, like they were all acting like adults. They were acting like superheroes. They were like college the, kids. Yeah, they, the te- like, if they were teenagers, they were maybe 19 years old, give or take. I don't know. But this one it actually feels like no these are 100 percent kids they're teenagers and it just gels so well with them dealing with teen i never thought i would be rooting for leonardo wanting to go to high school i never thought that in my entire life or growing up watching the turtles or, or being connected with the turtles i was just like let's beat up shredder let's beat up krang let's go fight the foot clan now it's like no nah, you get that prom date man you go for it that's uh that's leon ardo yeah don't forget ardo. <laughs> uh, ardo. ben you, you said it perfectly like natural is the, the exact word that i was that i was thinking of uh having them all on the booth uh specifically with like with like voice animation that stuff really really matters and like you don't need every single animated project to have that you know like really good really good editors can make all that stuff work out but like when you have a group of people in a room and you feel their chemistry and their vibe work together there's so much there's so much overlap and talking happening in this movie mm-hmm. that a lot of animated movies simply don't do because again, they don't record in the same booth together. Like it would be like, it would be manufactured overlapping as like, as like when we get in the room together, we're all overlapping and talking, but we're still having a conversation, right? That's like, it's something that's only like actually being friends in a room together can, can produce. And I feel that through the entire movie, sure. they're always bouncing off each other. And it feels like these are actually just people hanging out in a room. Uh, and that's what feels so good about it. Like it makes all that personal stuff just as fun as the giant superfly stuff at the end. Like I, mm-hmm. it all works together in sync. I, I agree with everything you guys have been saying. I think it's the right opportunity to highlight the, you know, it's been well reported on the, um, the bacon and cheese all the way to the uh, outside to yard, uh, yeah. that they're doing their whole thing where bacon, they just kind cheese. of bacon, tangent bacon. through each other into memes and all that kind of stuff. 
that was them letting them just do whatever they wanted. Uh, they just had the kids just go off. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think people have looked at that and been like, wow, that's such an encapsulation because it's just it's just them talking the way they would talk to each other. Um, and that's so effective. It it just yeah. really yeah. does make them feel like not only not only kids, but they it makes them feel like real characters, like real yeah. people. Um, yeah. And so it makes them very deeply able to connect to. Um, yeah, like one, yeah. one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes of them just being teenagers is, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's after a big emotional bit when they're they are getting milked and John and they're all talking about the stuff they want to do. And Donnie's like, I would have loved to see BTS. I was like, oh, and and Leo's like, oh, we'll do it, guys. Ready? They're all trying to sing uh, smooth like yes, butter. And don't he, even know the words. Like, you guys exactly because I could easily see teenagers doing that. And I, even as a teenager myself, I try. I think I tried doing that. It's like you don't even know the words, but thank you. Well, I think one of the things that really is interesting. We talked a lot about. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring our. I'm gonna bring in another interest real quick of ours, which is comic books. We talk a lot about how how there's a lot of younger characters in comics written by 40, 50, 60 year old men. Um, we talked recently how Brian Michael Bendis has kind of lost touch with how young kids talk these days, and when he tries, it just comes off as a 60 year old man start trying to write a, a 12 year old mark wade is is very very bad about that too now yeah yeah and so and, and it happens because you you become out of touch with what the i don't know what the I, i'm 30 and i don't know what these kids what how, how a kid talks anymore yeah um and but having these kids improvise their lines go into the memes that are relevant to them go into the slang that are relevant to them on the on the day it makes it not only feel more natural but makes it feel but uh, avoids the pitfall of it feeling like a 40 year old man wrote dialogue for a 15 year old kid yeah 100% and, and i think it it helps because despite uh the script being written by 40 year old men like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg those guys are hardcore nerds who grew up with this stuff and it's like they're they're just a little bit older than us, but I wouldn't they're old, but they're not considered old. You know what I mean? They're still young enough, but they're old. Like they're it's a weird thing. Like they wrote Superbad when they were 16 years old, right? And that got made into a movie 10 years later. So like they're those are still the super bad guys. It's just it's it's so interesting to see like how they've evolved. Like I really, I really, really like Seth Rogen as a creator. Uh that is a dude who not just because he smokes a lot of weed and he's the most like he, he works so much uh, and, it, and it gets rid of that stereotype of people who smoke, you know, can't do anything. I think that's really fun. But that dude is so on with every single project he does and he puts so much care behind it. And he's still like the laughy ha ha guy. Like, I don't know if you guys watch Preacher. That is not a funny show. I mean, it's funny, but that is a pretty like dramatic show. Mm-hmm. Like he wrote and Invincible is like can be very serious. Like I just really appreciate that he put his whole ass like he didn't. This isn't a half ass project. Like, I would say this is one of, like, the hardest projects he's ever worked on, if anything. Like, the amount of care I feel in this project, all the way around it, I just, I love it so much. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like an IP credit. Well, well, and more importantly, because Seth Rogen serves as producer on all of these kinds of things, he's very good at knowing who, who to put on a project that's going to put the passion into it. So, like, yeah. picking, get, working with someone like Jeff Rowe. Yes. And knowing that he's going to be able to connect all these pieces in the way, like, he knows how to bring people to projects that mm-hmm. they're going to be able to bring passion It's a good to. producer, yeah. That's, that's one of the things I think Seth Rogen really, really excels at is he knows how to put good teams of talent together to make something. Yeah. Um, because time and time again, that is the, that is one of the strongest things that's happening. And again, like it was, he talked about it in an interview that it was, 
it was obviously a collaborative decision, but he was championing the idea of having these kids together in the room together when they're when they're recording because yeah, he is a nerd. He knows about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He knows about all these things. He's he's written he's he's produced the boys and Invincible and Preacher and all this and all the sorts boys. of things. Damn. But he's but he's still a ge- he's still not in their generation. So he is smart enough to know that if I try to write dialogue for a 15-year-old kid, it won't feel as natural as it did when I wrote Super Bad. Yeah. So let's have these kids do it because this is their generation. This is how they will speak and it will feel a lot more natural to do it, which makes him an incredibly smart creator in general, giving him the credit, but also makes these kids, it makes the, di- makes the dynamic between these kids work far better than it has any rights. Absolutely. Right to. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that because there's like five people on the script or whatever, right? So like I'm sure they did the first draft and they're like, hey, this sounds like a bunch of 40-year-old people wrote it. Let's get some younger, younger vibes onto it. And then once they got the 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 cast, they're like, hey guys, improv when you feel good and, and it'll make it work. And it does work because again, like like that creative team is a is a improv group in itself. So like this just feels like the perfect culmination of like, you know, like man, like everything just just came up millhouse on this, this one. Uh I I also want to highlight that, like, because we're talking about those core four. Um, I think it was a really smart and like, I think they found the right voices kind of thing, but I'm really grateful that like uh, the turtles are not all white. Yeah. Two of them are white. Two of them are black. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's, that's really nice um, because there's been a lot of, there is a lot and I didn't know how much until kind of this movie was coming around, but there's a lot of, um, you know, feeling like there was a lot of black representation baked into the turtles without actually having black representation inside of the production of the turtles, like going back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, I, I'm glad to see that there are more black creatives getting to be involved in the process. We'll talk about the the music later, but this has like the dopest soundtrack of of maybe any, any animated movie of all time. Like I cannot believe that no diggity is used in an action scene for an animated (laughs) teenage mutant Ninja turtle movie. That is, that is, insane that's the most insane thing i've ever heard in my life that's crazier than captain america picking a mjolnir like you kidding me the soundtrack's got tupac and it's got biggie and stuff this is a mutant turtle movie it's it's incredible incredible. you guys were to to jump on the music for a very hot second um brian you said earlier this movie is a vibe i 100 agree the entire time the the trailer was a vibe the entire film is just like it's like it is it it honestly it passes the vibe check so to speak it is a yeah. very chill i guess you you get engaged with the characters you get invested you want them especially during the climax of the film you want them to succeed you want them to win and the emotional beats hit but the whole time like when the when the trailer music hits at the end of the film you're just like i i can't tell you brian you probably saw me but i was bobbing my head a lot when oh, i was yeah. watching this movie for the first time i was just like I'm enjoying it. I'm bobbing my head. Sometimes I probably didn't even notice I was bobbing my head. Music is infectious. It happens to you. It just makes your body do things you don't expect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Man, like, the action in this movie, top-notch. It looks so good. Again, like, doing, like, whatever this art style is, like, it's not exactly Spider-Verse, but, like, again, like, Spider-Verse is the best thing to happen in animation in such a long time. It's it's allowed so many avenues. Like, this, this is, like, it it looks, everything's so ugly. Everything and every person is so ugly, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Every character looks so unique. Every single person in New York looks like they just woke up from the garbage, and I love it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. The turtles are probably the best-looking people, and everyone else just kind of looks like weird goblin people, and I love that. It gives everything everything a unique look to it. New York looks almost like a Gotham City. Like Again, like the vibrant colors, uh, it looks so good. On the big screen, it's so good. I want to I wanna go 
back to the turtles real quickly. I have one yeah. more thing I wanted to mention about them, which is something that I've always struggled with because I'm not as ingrained in the TMNT um, as I kind of uh, as I kind of sometimes wish I was. Is I can never really tell the difference between any of them, um, and as far as as far as the way they act, and one and that I I don't think the '90s film does it for me, and obviously the Bay film doesn't do it for me, and this time. I really felt the difference and I could actually place for the first time ever. And again, this is a me thing. This is not, yeah. this is not indicative of, of anything other than this is just a me thing. I have never, I, this is the first time where I was able to tell you which one was, which and with yeah. whose name belonged to who. And I really like that. I'm really happy that, that I was able to that it connect with the turtles in that way because of this movie. So yeah, this is a uh, this is not a negative on the original source material on the source material because one, it was a black and white. But like for decades, the turtles were just they look the same, but they have different colored headbands, and like it was their personalities that were different, and that's totally fine. Um, despite not loving the movies, uh, the Bay films are actually incredibly influential because the Bay films are the ones that really gave them distinct looks. Donatello had so much tech, and he's the one who had the glasses for the first time. Those movies really actually inspired the, the next 10 years of how the Turtles look to make sure they all look very unique. Like, Michelangelo is more of a big and a bruiser because of those movies and stuff, right? So, like... I, Raphael. Raphael, sorry. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, Leonardo, like, Leonardo's kind of the same. Um, but like, but uh, Raphael is more of a bigger bruiser. Donatello is kind of more uh, uh, super techie, wears glasses, has backpacks. Michelangelo, like in this movie, they depicted him as smaller. That's not always the case. But like, like those movies being weird, uh, those were ones like, no, let's make sure people know who is who. Because uh, like you put those next to each other, none of them look similar whatsoever. And this movie does a good job of that as well. I'm not going to talk about the Bay films a lot because uh, my my dislike of those films is very, is very apparent. And, uh, but I agree with what, what you're saying at the fact that uh, visually speaking, yes, those films did uh, try to create a visual language for them. But for me, this again, for me, I know how, how these characters, how those characters acted, I couldn't tell you who was who. Uh, now, visually, if you told me that Michelangelo was such and such and Raphael was such and such, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But here, through the character here to give to move it back onto this movie through how the characters acted i was able to connect with them uh on a more personal level and actually um care about them and and i really like that they brought him back to the smaller statue that the tmnt are meant to be not the hulking big uh uh, uh mark ruffalo creatures that were in the bay films yeah. um I really, I really appreciate the visual language of this film and how these characters act, the way they move, the way they speak. It is so. Again, it goes back to that improvisational nature of having them in the booth together to allow the audience to connect with them on a far more personal way than you ever have before. And I, in, in my opinion, and I, that's it. Just again, just reinforcing what I think is the biggest strength of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think their individuality is very clear um, mm -hmm. to the point of what you're talking about with like something I appreciated and and it stood out to me more on the second watch uh, is is just how um, they went about designing the turtles. I'm I I really like it. Uh, if you notice, Leonardo and Raphael, uh, sorry, Leonardo and Donatello both have um, smaller, more narrow heads. Raphael and Michelangelo have wider heads uh, and then different, you know, body state, states and things like that, that they decide to do with them. I think they really distinct, distinctly, like when I walk through the toy 
toy area of Target or something and I see the Mutant Mayhem toys there, um, I almost want to get all of them because yeah. I don't think any of the turtles look the same. I love they distinctly like even just if I if I took off the bandanas and I took off the the stuff, I would still know who's who. Yeah, yeah. I love um uh Raph's missing tooth because he just loves yeah. to fight. Yeah. <laughs> I've been dreaming about this moment my whole life. <laughs> I dream about beating people up every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. We get you, you therapy, man. You brought up the um animation Ryan, so I want to go, I want to talk a little bit about that because um, outside of the characterizations, the animation is what I actually do really love about this movie. Um, so it's it's closer in style to Mitchell's Versus of the Machines uh, yeah. than it is Spider Verse, which is apparent because Jeff Rowe is the co-director of both. Um, I so I, I really like Mitchell's Versus of the Machines. I really like the animation here. It takes it a step further than Mitchell's. It still has that 3D, 2D element that we've seen in these films before. Most specifically, you can see crayon uh, lines and a lot of the, in a lot of the foreground and in the background, the, uh, the, the kind of moonlit background, uh, uh, back, backlit shot is always stationary. It's never quite moving. And it feels like it is a, again, a crayon. They, there was a big emphasis on how this is as how this movie should feel as if a, uh, as if a, a kid drew on a, drew it with a crayon. And I think that really comes across uh, in how this artist in the pl on the planet, and it's how. And I think that really comes across in in the way the characters are designed because not all the characters are have symmetrical faces. They, some of them have eye, their eyes are askew, their faces are askew. Some of them have like oh, yeah. shorter faces and, and all bigger. The humans are ugly, ugly. And, and I, I think that, that. I, I really like that you see that in the other uh, mutant designs, and you see that even a little bit in 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 the the turtles designs. Although the turtles are a lot cleaner than everyone else. Um, and so, and so I really appreciate this kind of, again, this pushing the animation format to do things that it was always quite meant to do it, not stay stagnant in this idea that there's only one where we got to chase that realism for animation. No, we have to, we should chase kind of artistic, artistic integrity and artistic endeavors and try to really, uh, push the, the medium and to do things that only it can do. And the next step kind of feels like, okay, well, let's make a 3D crayon drawing. What would that look like? It would look like this crayon. It, like you see, you see uh, colored pencil marks in like, you know, instead of like, uh, uh, you know, uh, light, uh, like light, you see the screen, the screen and how they, if they um, tell you it's bright, colored pencil uh, marks along, uh, kind of scribbles along the side to kind of create that glow. Um, I, I just really took notice to a lot of this. It was, such a feast to look at. I, I really just cannot speak enough to how great the animation is. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah, I think the animation's stellar. They do this thing where um, everything else will be still and stable for the most part, um, but wherever there's a light source, that will be constantly mm -hmm. like yeah. fluctuating and in motion, um, which I think is just really cool. Uh, it, it, it was such a good choice. It's so, it's so stand out it's so different and it it really creates a whole <laughs> vibe uh it really creates a whole vibe for the turtles and their world that i i think pulls you in mm -hmm. um and it's really really strong especially like i do like the the human designs i like that like they're so kooky and like I, more than anything you know we've talked about this before i like that i can tell that every single one was like designed yes you know that they're not uh copy paste human uh 
generic background person yeah um especially when we get into that last scene it it, fe- it makes it feel more impactful it makes it feel more connected and like um i think there is something to say about like a world that would judge the turtles that on some sense is like visually what we would call kind of uggo yeah um mm-hmm. and like that's that's also very connected but it, it it's not it, it just works it just works for what they're doing in this world you um, mess with one of us you mess with all of us yeah there's a there's a very Spider-Man-esque to the final battle that I really oh, appreciate. Um, you know, very reminiscent of the train sequence in in Spider-Man Two and the the crane sequence at the, at the end of the Amazing Spider-Man. This kind of like idea that um, New York comes to to rally against its heroes. That New York becomes this this thing that cannot be that can that has to be that ha- has to band together to fight back against the villain. That I really I really thought worked as an emotional uh um uh uh end to the to the arc of the film yeah i agree um we we'll we'll just talk about that here um like i think it's it was such a smart choice um ben do you have anything you want to say about the animation before i I go too deep into this because that's kind of where we were uh pretty much that the animation is absolutely amazing and this i mean i know ryan said earlier but i know for a fact Mm -hmm. this is definitely gonna be in my top 10 of the year not top 15 it's top 10 this Mm -hmm. it's that good it might even be top five um, like walking away from this movie, just seeing this animation, and I was even talking about Ryan with Ryan for a bit after we got our, our screening, was that animation is just killing it this year. And it's not just like traditional, or not even traditional, but it's not like the run-of-the-mill 3D animation that we've been seeing with Disney films. I'm talking, or or even Pixar films, I'm talking like different style of animation. I would, I would even call it unorthodox animation, like Spider-Verse being the prime example on how things are completely different. There's no different universes, different styles of animation, different backgrounds, nothing, no two. I mean, even with uh, Opie, with uh, Hopi, the, the, he constantly changes design every scene he's in. It's a con- it's completely different. So with the style of this film, with Ninja Turtles being, as Brian said, a bit ugly design and everything just looked a little ugly, but it's gorgeous it fits it fits the narrative it fits with the style and it the whole thing just works they found the secret sauce and it's amazing i love it the secret ooze you know what if you will yeah. the other secret ooze is the way that they're able to introduce like 12 villains in this movie and they all work and then there's a secret ingredient like oh actually they're all going to become good guys at the end I don't think anybody could have expected that. I don't think anybody oh, no. could have expected that. That like, oh, we don't have to kill to be accepted. X Men? Are we talking? Is this a, is this secretly an X Men movie all of a sudden? Bro, I loved it. I loved it when when uh, uh, what's his, what's the Gecko Mondo Gecko? He's like, Gecko. I don't really want to kill anyone. I was just doing it because I wanted to fit in. I'm like, bro, I get it. That's relatable. I get it. But you're still on the right path. I think it's incredible. Yeah. All the villains rule. Can I? point out something that I thought was very strange about the credits of this movie, about Mondo Gecko. It says, and introducing Paul Rudd as if he's a brand new actor. And I think that's really funny. It's really, yeah. uh, That that brand new actor finally, finally breaking out in Hollywood, the ripe age of 50. Yeah. It is his first time in a major theatrical uh, voice acted film release uh, as, as a lead. Um, He's been a cameo in two. But people yeah. know who Paul Rudd is. And, no, no, absolutely. And and he's been he's been a voice lead in a limited release indie film uh, in 2016. But like otherwise, hasn't done a lot of he hasn't done a lot of voiceovers. The point. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's funny. 
Sounds like Mark Wahlberg and Scoob. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Hey, Scoob. Uh, Let's go to church. Uh, That's a Mark Wahlberg joke. Um, Again, all the villains rule. I love whether they're in the movie a lot or a little. Uh, I think every one of them is fun. I I like the 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 artist Post Malone. So having him be Ray Fillet and all he does is sing his name and just like do sad guitar ballads that people don't like listening to. Really fun. Every villain had enough personality where like even again if they're in the movie for five minutes or they're bigger like Superfly, they're all they all felt integral and it all felt like two different families forming uh, different ideologies and then one of them realizes oh I, yeah we don't need to kill people. I yeah. think that's awesome. But a lot of strong yeah. strong voice talent for all those villains too. Absolutely. You got Rose Byrne. John Cena. Yeah, uh, Seth Rogen calling in all the homies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to also talk about the villains for a hot second is that, yes, there was a lot of villains in this film, but they were all unique. They weren't copy-paste. They weren't just there to be there. I feel like a, a bunch of movies where they introduce, like, a, a where there's a giant cast. I mean, this is probably a very bad analogy, um, uh, like, with James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Whereas they introduce a giant cast and then they kill half of them in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. So those actors and those characters didn't really get to shine. Whereas in Ninja, I mean, of course, that's not a plan. I don't know. They were pretty fire. Get it? Because they were on fire. Bell of Orth. But now, once again, I don't want to say this as a slight against the Suicide Squad because you all know I love that movie. The Suicide Squad's fan freaking fantastic. The with Ninja Turtles, the caveat with Ninja Turtles is that while all the villains, there is a lot of villains, all of them seem, you can tell they have different personalities. Like, I loved Wingnut. I mm-hmm. don't know why. But mm-hmm. I can definitely tell, like, when Wingnut's on screen, that you could kind of feel what Wingnut is thinking composed to, as opposed to Leatherback and even with Mondo Gecko. Like, I love how they were able, and with, obviously not everyone had a whole lot of lines. There was not a lot of dialogue. between Like, Turtles had, didn't have one-on-ones with everyone because that would have been, like, a three-hour movie. That's what the show but, is for. Yeah, exactly. That's what the show is for. But then when you mm-hmm. see, like, you... Like with Mondo Gecko, I think one of my favorite bits is like when Mondo Gecko is like hugging everyone and he's like, stop hugging. <laughs> no. And, <laughs> no. And, and then like with Bebop and Rockstar, it's like, hey, I think I'm just angry because Superfly has this internalized anger. Yeah, me too. And then it's like, they see the reason we've been angry this whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Like they have these great, the right, I want to like get full props to like Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, all the writers, because whoever wrote those lines is like, this is how we can do this with this short of screen time. And it works. This we is how got, we give a bunch of these villains personalities. How yeah. we know that what their their plates are. Wingbat has like a couple real quick. Has like a couple lines, but there's one line that I remember. It's like when when they're chasing them after after they decided not to join the team. Wingbat's like, "You need to stop." And, and the turtle's like, "No." He's like, "If you don't stop, Superfly is going to do something way worse than what we'll do." Meaning that she has some sympathy and she's kind of a nicer person. That's all I need to I know was, for the supervillain. Right. I was going to say that's that's kind of the bit where you know, at least I did. I was like, "Oh, like they're not they're not all going to be like they're not on Superfly. his level. They're not on that level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. they they are just like kind of want to hang out and chill like the turtles. Um, and Superfly is not there. They just need somewhere to live and eat pizza." Um, what what I was gonna say for uh, some of the villain stuff is that uh, having them uh, be when you're doing something like that, this is the first turtle thing that I think really tackles like being a superhero movie like directly yeah. and being a superhero movie in the in the field of superhero films as they've been. 
and puts its heroes and its villains in such a good, like any other superhero movie would benefit from a story like this, where they're both after the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're both just after acceptance. That's the whole, like, what is the thing they're, they're both looking to get in this film? It's, it's acceptance. It's the same thing. <laughs> and they're coming at it from like the, the different angles. And yes, it's very X-Men and everything. Um, But, but by putting it in that place, it, it does allow like, what a lot I think a lot of other films that have tried to do that where like a hero and villain usually because of the villain is usually singular. Mm -hmm. But by having the virtue of like all the characters we're talking about, this whole cast that you're prepared to be the bad guys, they're all much closer on the spectrum to what the turtles want than they are to what Superfly wants. And that's like the revelation over the film that they're able to chase and and unspool is because they all start from a similar place mm -hmm. and just only one of them really wants to take this divergent path. The rest have just kind of been following, but didn't want to. They're all, they're all brothers and sisters and cousins. You know, they're all, they're all, uh, they're all children of Baxter Stockman. Well, and then at the same time, also doing like the parallels of, of how they are suppressing that desire to engage with the wire, wider world. But Splinter, Superfly and Splinter. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's so good. And Splinter has the realization of like, Oh no, I'm just like that guy. Oh man, mm -hmm. time to do a dope action scene. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, also, Jackie Chan's in this movie. He's yeah. great. He I is don't know great. the last thing I saw Jackie Chan in, but he's actually like he's killing it in this movie. I do think like I've seen Jackie Chan be a voice actor in a lot of things, and I feel like this is the first one where I felt like he was really putting in some work. Um I I have to admit that when I saw the design for Splinter in the movie, my immediate thought was like, Jackie Chan's cool. I'm I'm happy it's him. That's neat and all. He really looks like he could have been voiced by Mark Maron. Sure. Mark Maron looks almost exactly With like the Splinter. Yeah, it's just and the when they're doing like the, the like coming up through New York thing. I'm like, Mark Maron would have been a good Splinter. That's funny. Um, I can't imagine that guy. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking about Jackie Chan as a voice actor. And I, you know, Kung Fu Panda obviously comes to mind. He plays Monkey. And I was kind of thinking about that. I was like, you know, in Kung Fu Panda, he's really only in it because he's the main choreographer for those films anyway. So they kind of, so he's not really giving it his all there. He doesn't really have a lot to do in those movies as a voice actor. So coming into this, uh, I was really impressed with how he was able to really bring something to the role of, Spl to the role of Splinter in a way that um uh made him feel like he was a seasoned voice actor even though he's probably not there's a there's a kind of a thing that happens in tv animation that we talk about a lot which is the you know you get these big celebrities to come in and they do these voices and it's not really it doesn't really work because they're not really voice actors they're mostly just there to fill a fill a poster with big names and i think what the benefit of having a feature-length film like this one is that you can have a proper voice director actually actually directing people and yeah. and getting the performance that you need to get out of them so that they feel like they are a proper voice actor and not just someone to fill a poster. Like, it, yeah. it could very easily be stunt casting to have Jackie Chan as Splinter 100%. But because he is able to bring something to this role, because he is well-directed, because he's acting it so well, it doesn't feel like it is. Yes, I, you know, when, when you... Real quick, uh, when you you look at the poster for this, and there's like twelve all twelve names, and everybody's famous. It reminds me of like any other like bad animated movie that just has like, oh, it's Zach Galifianakis and it's Amy Schumer, and it's just like forty names. Who could we get? Who's a big name instead of actually who's good for this part? 
And this movie, any any sing poster. I wasn't gonna say illumination, but that's what I was thinking. Of. Okay. Uh, did you guys have, see the post? The, did you what did did you guys get the first trailer? I got so when I went to see this movie, the first trailer is this really shitty looking animated animated feature film with just the te- most terrible animation with the awful voice acting. But that's that looks like it's something. It's from the people who made like Norm of the North or something oh, like no, that. No, I didn't. I didn't get that. No. And so, like, I'm I'm seeing this, and I turn to Zara. I turn to Zara, and I go, like, this looks like it's supposed to be a direct to DVD oh, film. It's the, that's it's the Spider Spy thing. Is that what you're talking about? The Spider? No, it's a, it's a fantasy. Oh. It was a fantasy movie. I thought it was a Monkey King ripoff, but it's not. It's it's oh, it's, okay. it looks no, that one looks horrible. There's like a yeah. There's like a spider who's a spy, like a Spider World a Spider. It's, oh boy, yeah. yeah. We all had terrible stuff. animated <laughs> trailers. You know who I actually? Go ahead, Ben. I was gonna say I thought Paw Patrol, but that's Paw Patrol. That's a kids movie. That's like a kids. I'll kids be real movie. with you. The animation of Paw Patrol actually looks pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't look bad. Listen, it does, doesn't look that bad. That first movie has like a seventy someone run tomatoes. I'm sure it's gonna be a fine kids look, movie. Every every, every time that the little puppy comes forward and says Paw Patrol, but more a little, a little bit extra. extra. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is funny. Uh, we do need to talk about the three biggest cameos that were in this movie, and it's the three Chris's. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I even got the best Chris. Because the theorem out. I'm Chris Pine, I'm the best Chris. Um, it's funny to hear Jackie Chan say that. Yeah. Uh I I I I that's a good joke. Uh, but I do think it's a good way to talk about I really it was so interesting the first time we see it with Ferris Bueller, but I really do mm-hmm. like the choice to leave real life things that they are referencing looking like real life and not translate it into the animation yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. It didn't take me out of anything. It just really worked. Same. Um and I'm and I'm grateful for it. I think like when they do the Kung Fu montage, when they do the joke with the Chris's and Ferris Bueller reference at the beginning, I think all of that lands really, really well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ryan, I believe you said something about um like shock cast casting where it's like, hey, we have a big name. It's something to fill the poster up. Not once in this movie did I feel that that was just like uh, like an actor just walked in, did their lines for ten minutes, and walked out, and it was like, "Cool, I can for a new pool now." Yeah, no, every single every yeah. single actor gave it their all and had a black. You look at like John Cena, who isn't a seasoned voice actor. He's done voice acting. He's pretty good at it. He's a good actor. Um, but he's not. But he's like a. But he's like acting really good. This is really weird to say because like. It, it, I, this is going to sound really strange. This is just a compliment on, on the fact that none of these actors were phoning any of this in, no matter how big or small their role was. None of them were phoning it in, and they were all doing a performance, not just giving their voice to the role. Like Rose Byrne yeah. is almost unrecognizable. Um, John Cena is, you know, is, oh, I'm, I'm, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so like it feels, it feels very much like they're having a good time. They're, they're putting in, they're, they're giving, as Ben said, they're all to these voice roles, no matter how big or small or how long or short their time in the recording booth was. And that really shows and that really helps yeah. the movie. Absolutely. Just just because you brought that up, it was a concern of mine that John Cena wouldn't shine through over the voice modulation from the trailers. Just like yeah, yeah. that it wasn't he wasn't gonna come through. Uh he does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm really grateful. And for he that. probably has like some of the least amount of like he doesn't have a lot of lines, but like when he does talk, I'm like, no, I can tell it's John Cena. He's uh, having fun. We we've talked about you know, a lot of a lot of the cast and a lot of the good casting and the, the voice talent they put behind it, but we need to talk about the man in the room, Ice Cube. As oh. super fun. Six in the morning, police at my door. 
I that's a nice T song. That's really funny because that's a nice T song saying being performed by Ice Cube. That's really uh, funny, right? <laughs> that's really funny, right? <laughs> Okay, so the two actors, I mean, obviously the main cast, April O'Neil, she's absolutely amazing. I love her. But the two actors I also want to talk about was Jackie Chan, which we did. And I want to put my two cents in because he was phenomenal. Absolutely love him as Master Splinter. And also, I just love how he learned Kung Fu from a from a Teach Yourself Kung Fu VHS tape. That, that was hilarious. I, on, I, that note, on that note, real quick, on that note, real quick, Ben, what I really liked about Splinter in this is that for I think the first time ever, he felt like a dad first. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I thought the- that was the most valuable thing about it is that he felt like a father and then a master second. Where I feel like a lot of other times he's kind of like a master who's like guardian of the turtle. He feels more like, like a sensei type. Of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of treat him that way. But here, not only does he feel more like a dad, but they, it feels like they're treating him like their father too. And I they call him that- dad. They call yeah. him dad. They call him dad more than they call him Master Splinter. Yeah. Uh, that you start the journey with him being a dad and like, oh, to defend ourselves, we must become ninja assassins. <laughs> Not so the obvious thing we yeah. need to do was become ninja Obviously. <laughs> as you do. Great montage. Oh, those Doesn't little turtles. Those little turtles, the cutest. I would buy little plushies of those cute little baby turtles. 1,000%. I was about to say, those turtles are adorable. Um, I love the... Uh, I love the line where he's just like, because you were, because you were given your... The, you were uh, uh, given the ooze when you were babies. You grew up like normal, and because I was given to it as an adult, I became an adult rat. It makes sense. I, Don't think I, about it. Yeah, I was an adult rat. So when I transformed, I was also an adult in transformation. Yeah, you were babies, so you transformed into babies. It makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> I really like uh, that montage sequence. That when that baby turtle comes up to Splinter and just like nuzzles, yeah, just, just melts your heart. Little baby Donnie with the oversized glasses. Oh, Jackie Chan was pretty good at delivering his humor too. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking about things like, I, there was a roach named Carl. He was my only friend, and then I imitate. <laughs> oh my gosh! All the stuff with him and like how many how many adult mutants do you think there are in the world? Do you think I haven't looked? Because I promise you, I have. Every day, I every look. day I look, and then he then he meets he meets the vermin master who just like. <laughs> How how aware are you guys about the Roman Master thing? Besides, like it being a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles character, like like the changes that happened just oh, before release. No, oh, okay. no, I had no idea. So so a character poster got out um, that 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 was supposed to be a queer relationship. That was a necess- Essentially, they were going to ha- say that was going to be referred to as a him oh, and all this kind of stuff. And they did. And, well, they had to nix it because Jackie Chan doesn't support. Oh, LGBT. because Jackie Chan kind of sucks. That's right. Yeah. That's true. Oh, That's right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah unfortunately yeah google that if you don't know y'all it's that um that's a bummer because that would have been really fun because there were there was a whole stink online of people who haven't seen the movie and there were clips getting released of the vermin monster and him kissing like oh they made splitter gay and i'm like first of all no they didn't do that in the movie but second of all who cares who, who would care? Yeah, I guess well, Jack will get a chance. So that sucks someone was like someone was like it was the line where jackie because the 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 argument that i heard was that the line where you think i, I haven't found other mutant rats because i have there are no other mutant rats so i'm alone you know, i'm lonely and so other people so people were saying see that's how splinter was making like mutant rats he's a mutant rat of course he's going to look for mutant rat what are you doing what are we again it just goes back to this manufactured outrage that that the that this whole yeah. clickbait system is built off of something to get mad at this week uh yeah 
but anyway, uh, <laughs> going. So Jackie Chan Splinter, really cool. He's the dad. We were we were gonna get into Ice Cube. Um, Ice, Ice Cube. Ice Cube as as Superfly. Man, uh, he kills it. He's so fun. he's so good. Yeah. Um, Jeremy uh, put it very well, so I'm not gonna like copy him without saying because I think he's the one who said this most pointedly, which is like Ice Cube is one of the best actors on the planet at saying the censored word without saying the censored word. Oh, sure. So you hear it even if he doesn't say it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, there'll be these lines where, where he said, I'm on that Godzilla. And, like, you don't hear the word shit, but he's... But, but you're thinking it. But you think it. <laughs> like, and that's, that's... And he's very, very good at landing those lines without saying the censored words. And he does that a couple of times throughout this movie where, like, he's just pulling a word out and it's there in his delivery it's there again like he feels so natural as this giant gangster monster fly man he just it just feels so good like of course like that's exactly what he'd sound like like it just everything about this world feels like like feels just so real and so perfect like i again like i have no real problems he's so fun the turn at the end where he goes into a zoo and it's like why are there a hundred horses in a zoo? I don't care. Let's not think about it too hard. There are no horses at a zoo. We got horses everywhere. Or like where horses. he like gets like he absorbs all, he absorbs all the all the animals, and then one of them pops up. He's like, "Fine, I don't need that horse. I don't need that horse." What did Mondo Such a good Gecko said? God, one horse. I don't need that horse. <laughs> what, is, what does Mondo Gecko say? He says he, he says so. If we had the so if we put the thing in the ocean. That was supposed to make all the all the animals mutants. What does that do to Superfly? Yeah. So, so that they said like, and there's and there's things in the ocean. What does that do? Because that's the line, and I yeah. need to specify that because I was sitting next to Xander and Jeremy when they saw that, and I already knew what was going to happen. And they both turned to each other. They were like street sharks. And I was like, shit, man. That would have been incredible. Shit, man. If Street Sharks had come out, I would have lost it. That would have been in, this is a secret, like Void Rivals, a secret universe blooming. Yeah. God. Street, the fact that Street Sharks is owned by a different company has never pissed me off more. Yeah. Ugh. Right. Well, like, because Street Sharks doesn't hold up. Like, no. usually design is cool, but like, ah. they, they are not, they are not, it's not a good show. <laughs> I'm big enough. Um, but but boy, do they fit into the world of the turtles really well? Obviously, because they were a response to the turtles. But like, yeah. um, that would have been sick as hell. Like, just to be able to have the street shark show up, I would have been like, oh no, y'all. We haven't talked about April O'Neil at all. That's true, but I didn't want to leave Superfly yet. No, um, true, true, true. Uh, I want to shout out like uh, Ice Cube. We were talking about like voice actors not coming in, phoning it in, and um, it really popped off to me. I, I noticed it in the first time. Molly Wapping. He he. He goes the extra mile with some of his words to put the buzz of being a fly yes. into his emphasis. Yeah. So he'll do the little like as he does it, and I was like, "Man, you 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 acting, Ice Cube, you acting." <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we should move into April. I April. love April O'Neil. April's very good. Uh, I'm also just I am an in Io Edebiri stand. You you now watch the as bear. Well. So like uh, she's just. She's just an incredible new talent. Even though she's been around for a long time, she's really blossoming the last couple of years, mostly because of the bear. But like, I love this take on April April O'Neil. Uh, it's really cool to have that have her be young and the same age as the turtles growing up instead of being like an established reporter. Like she gets to grow with the turtles as a character. That yeah. is so cool. They both go on journeys of why they're doing what they're doing instead of like, oh, I want to be yes. a superhero so people notice me. Oh, I want to get no, I want like and they both start out doing it for personal exactly. selfish reasons. Yeah. And like that is 
every character, every character, whether it's a villain or a hero, a side character, has an arc in this movie. And and they're all and it's all fulfilled. And I love it. And I'm like so excited for the future of of, of these characters. Uh, she's just got Io Debiri has just such a a a quip, a quick whip smart, like just the way she talks. That's perfect for this type of movie. Uh, I just, I, I loved every interaction she had with the turtles. Uh, I just loved it. And, and I just want to shout out because I'm, I'm tired of people being upset about April's design things, uh, because they're obsessed with the version they've whacked off to since the 80s. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I really shout outs to Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for making April black. Sure. And then yeah, shout yeah, outs yeah. for this one Hell for yeah. going for body positivity imaging. Yeah. And like April just looks like a person. And like, I think it's great. She's like short and like like kind of like 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 wide. I'm like that's a person. Yeah, that's a realistic person right there. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, I love April's design, and I do really like her performance and and the way that they translate her character into this. Uh, I think is really good, especially. I think she's a really good tone balance to these four. Yes, turtle uh, actors. She plays off of them very well. She plays very well as like while she is in the same age range. There's a sense of like maturity of the world just like with more sense mm -hmm. about uh how to interact with people because they haven't interacted with a lot of people so there's a social awkwardness yeah. that they have in engaging with her that she's just a little bit upper on yeah uh, but even she is is also like you know you you think like oh she's very cool and everything we get to the high school and it's like ah yeah. she's also low tier yeah. um comparatively there's... boy the vomiting joke never did i would i have known more that this was jeff Rowe than that joke yeah so the, the the high school interaction is really interesting to me, and uh, I wanted to highlight it. I was kind of thinking about how to frame this, but I'm just going to go right out and just say that I really appreciate the fact that I what the way it's handled when they're when they're making fun of Leonardo, um, and there and um, April kind of gets in on it and feels very much like kids kind of kind of piling on without knowing that you're hurting someone and not knowing. And, you know, and then when Leo kind of fires back, well, what about that person? Why don't we make that fun of that person? And then April. it being April and then, it, and then, and that's, and then April kind of snaps out of it. And there's something so real about it that gave me such a visceral reaction and kind of a, and kind of a, Oh, I remember being a kid. I remember doing that. Hell, I remember doing that last week. Um, like, I, like there's, there's kind of a, th uh, there, that kind of goes to, what I think this movie does so well that I've talked about the entire time, which is that the interactions feel so real and genuine. This feels like this, this felt like five teenagers, one of them who's never had a friend before um, finally kind of thinking, Oh, I can jump in on this too. Oh wait, I'm also not uh, the, uh, my covers blown. I'm now they know that I am this, this puke girl. Um, they're both kind just, of outsiders in different ways. There was just something so genuine about the interaction that I just really want that I just really want to showcase and highlight that yeah. I just I really appreciated it. Mm -hmm. And I really love that she meets these mutant turtles and she's not immediately just like she's cool with them, but she's not like cool. We're never gonna talk about it. This is totally normal. It's like Hey, so like, be honest. Do you think other people will be totally cool with her vibe? And she's like, absolutely not. And she's like, yeah. If I hadn't met you in the context I met you in, I would have yeah. freaked the frick out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like as it is, uh, I I see you guys are like, you, you seem pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I I also I love how April O'Neil this iteration of April O'Neil once again. I am echoing everything you guys are saying. Absolutely adore her. Absolutely love her. It is fantastic. And it's like yes. Um. But I kind of like how she's a bit of a realist, but she's not. She has that. 
obviously there's a lot of Gen Z um, flair to this film because I mean, yeah, a bunch of Gen Zers are actors in this film. They're teenagers. But with her, she's she gets that like that Gen Z snarkiness, but it's not mean snarkiness, you know. Like the scene we just mentioned about, like, hey, do you think other humans are cool? So she's like, not even close, dude. I'm you're lucky that I like you guys. Yeah, and it's like mm-hmm. it's like that's it's weird because she's bringing that. Um, who's what's the actress's name who plays April again? Io Adabiri. Her. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. Tell Let's call her Io. I uh, yeah, what she oh god damn it, I lost my train of thought. Name's too hard. Uh I'm no. gonna I'll I'll bounce off something f- around Rachel while you while you kind of um get get that thought back, which is that I really I, I really like the line. I just I, I like showcasing lines whenever I can, but there's a line where where uh where they like our dad is definitely not a giant rat. And then she just goes, That makes me feel like your dad's a giant rat. <laughs> yeah. And I just really like that line. Uh, I, I really I got, like. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Sorry, I got my thought back. Um, Io brings r- so a lot of realness to this to this fantasy film, and it makes it work. Like once again, the the whole film must have found gallons upon gallons of secret sauce, where it's like this works. It's ooze. and yeah, they found the secret. The, ooh. Also, I just, I just love that interaction with Super. I was like, we just call it ooze. Nice, right? This sounds better, yeah. Yeah. Ooze, ooze. But she brings like, yeah, this is what an actual teenager in high school in the year 2023 would react should they find a bunch of giant mutant ninja turtles and they saved her life and they saved her scooter from being in from getting chopped up. Yeah. Teenage mutant ninja turtles, not giant mutant ninja turtles. That's the uh that's the asylum spinoff. <laughs> yeah that's the gamera take um what what i really like here uh with april and stuff what a gag i really like is when they call her to tell them to tell her the plan that they have of like working together so that they can become heroes and all this kind of stuff um she's like oh cool cool i haven't really been thinking about you guys at all and she's just oh, no questions all kinds of things about them now that she's seen them do you guys have ears they think <laughs> they have ears <laughs> great <laughs> that, that pays off because the, like uh he actually touches his, his like an ear like his ear to talk to april because he's got an earpiece in little earpiece yeah got to free the holes they've got the freeze holes oh let's talk about because we haven't really talked about like the actual overall villain of the whole the whole trilogy uh uh cynthia utram do you guys know who cynthia utram is my no. i mean the character the character <laughs> the character oh yes uh it's crane Utrum, mm-hmm. the Krangs are 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 from Utrum. They're Utrums. Uh, she's got a weird face. She works for the TCRI, the Technocosmic Research Institute. That's Krang, or she's working for Krang. They they either gender bent her or it's her sister, his sister, or whatever. But like they they have done the incredible superhero thing of yo, we are setting up our universe, but we have a self-contained story here. We know what the next movie is gonna be because that's what the post-credit stinger is about, and it's all building up. And I'm like, man. This is how you build a build a universe and like like you you set up sequels, but it's all self contained. Like this is like a perfect superhero movie. I like really is. If I may, I was I mean once again growing up with the Ninja Turtles as I have, I mean not a whole lot, but it was always Shredder and then Krang. Shredder was always mm-hmm. the big bad. I mean there are, obviously there's other villains thrown in there. So when there's like when I saw the trailer for this movie, the very first trailer when it came out, it's like oh there's no Shredder. How who are they gonna fight? What's the deal? Now I am so glad 
that Shredder is not the first big bag they fight. I am yeah. so happy that it's all the other mutants. And also I love how, like we talked about how they kind of switch things around, how they make the origins a little bit different, how Bebop and Rocksteady, they were grown from Baxter Stockman's tubes. They weren't turned into mutants by Shredder. Good, and, good way of doing uh, the Stockman Superfly thing too. Yeah. Um, good interpretation oh, yeah. of that. John Carlo Esposito, shout outs. Yeah, shout out. Um, that I was am, also a very cute fly. That was not fair. That was a very yeah. cute fly. Yeah, yeah I, I would never thought I would see a baby fly and go, oh, that's cute, but they got me in this movie. Murderfly. <laughs> yep, turn into a murderfly. But the whole, like, I was a little nervous because, you know, Shredder is always like, you talk about Ninja Turtles, who's the main bad guy? Shredder. Always mm-hmm. Shredder. Now I'm like, no, this this works so well. And I am so excited. Like, just that silhouette of the post-credit stinger, I'm like, Hell yeah, I'm ready for Shredder. We now. we talked yeah. about we had talked about this when the first cast listing came out when it was announced who all the people were. You and I, Ben, we uh, the the fact that the Shredder is the first villain in the three major TMNT films. Uh, first yeah. films, he's the major villain in the Bay produced film. He's the major villain in the '90s film. Uh, he he is, and so going forward and showcasing a different villain was probably the smartest move they could make because yeah shredder is the most recognizable villain but if you're trying to get people interested in the turtles in a way that will get them wanting to come back for more you don't start with shredder you start with someone else and then you build and i think this is what this was really smart absolutely it's almost like batman and the joker like everybody knows the joker like people love the joker but like it is batman has other villains and the, right, Batman, like, the smartest thing that Batman begins was big Scarecrow, his first villain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like Team and T, like this first one, not only did they not give us Shredder, they gave us a dozen other villains because the Team and T has been around for so long. They have that many villains and they have so many villains. They can turn all of them good and they still have enough villains for the next two movies and a TV show. Because like, yeah. again, Ben and Sparks, we played that game. Yeah. Not all of those villains were in this movie. Oh, no, I can't God. wait to see that arcade lady, the, the villainous arcade lady who brings things to life from the arcade. What's yeah. that about? I want to see. Also, that. it was a blink and a miss a moment, but there was a um like a billboard or a thing that the turtles crashed through in the van that had a big orange triceratops head on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Those those big boys we beat up. There yeah. are other places we can go. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. Shredder, I mean, them on the board. Ooh, this is fun because we know the next movie will probably be Shredder. I'm sure the 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 Cynthia Utram stuff will be around, but it'll be probably uh, the the foot and then Shredder. Do you think we'll get like the do you think we'll get like the Robo Turtles or like the mutant like evil turtles? Like what do you what do you guys think because we went through so many villains. What do you think the Shredder like mini boss would be? What what do you what is your mind to think then? I would say the Robo Turtles. That's what I'm thinking. Something like like a mega, like mega. No, uh, uh, Metal Sonic, something like that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. so many like evil, evil mutant turtles or those rebel turtles in that game. I'm like, man, the possibilities are like endless. I love it. I'm so curious at how expensive that TV show is going to be. I oh, bet it's it definitely w- not going to be the same animation style. Yeah, they're going to have to change it. I'm sure it'll look similar, but it'll be like a tenth of the budget. <laughs> the, yeah, that's no, the thing no. that's, that that concerns me. I you want to do a TV show based on this film? Great, I'm I'm in for it. I'll go see it. Uh, I'm just so curious. Like, do we keep the animation style? Do we tone it down? Do we try something different? Do we do we pretend I, it's at the same world and whatever? Like, I'm so curious. I'm sure that it will be the same world. I think they're just going to change the style. I mean, the doesn't How to Train Your Dragon have a TV show? 
Yeah, but it's the same style as the movie. Oh, well then they can just do that, right? There you go. The, but with this animation, it's so specific. It's so you the the Jimmy Neutron thing doesn't really work here. By that I mean that Jimmy Neutron the movie was was made so that they can make the TV show look more expensive by just using the same assets. That yeah. that works for How to Train a Dragon because you could just drag and drop the same assets. I'm not sure if that process can work in a similar way for the for a movie like this, which has a lot of hand drawn situations and a lot of hand drawn <laughs> things. I'm I'd be I'd just be curious to know how they do it. I'm sure they can pull it off. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm just curious. I really don't think. I think they'll want to keep the same aesthetic, but I like there's I there's no there's no like it's a dream world of like, oh, no, we're just going to have this show for like eight episodes. Yeah. Uh, but like, I'm sure it'll be something similar. Just like, you know, I just hope it doesn't look like Netflix bad, like like bad 3D Netflix. Like, I hope it doesn't like they don't drastically lower the quality so they can keep something that looks similar. Just make it 2D, if anything, just make it look 2D and have it have the same style. And honestly, I think most people would be happy with that. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um. It seems at the end that Utram has Superfly uh-huh. uh, in his original fly form now. Yeah. Like he, oh yeah, he reverted so, back. Yeah. So he can always, because all of the things that were part of him did. Yeah, he can um, come back in the sequel. He can come back someday. Megafly. I want to highlight a couple of things. Uh, which one, I just want to say, I really love the speed lines uh, that we get when we're doing like super fast sequences. The, the, the background just blurs and you just see like speed lines i think that's really cool um felt the same way about puss and boots honestly uh the first fight scene that we see with the muggers who stole april's scooter mm-hmm. um i think is really good and might be feel, my favorite fight the in the movie yeah um, it's great I, they're I, all over I, the place i love how i love how they use the environment i love how they how they're learning on the jaw on the fly no pun intended of trying yeah. to figure out how to use these weapons uh, to to actually hurt these people. Um, it's a really good kind of it's it's a really good character building fight sequence that is utilized to the best of its ability. I, I just I just really like it. Quick little quick little line that I absolutely love. I've been dreaming about fighting every night. Hey, we need to get you into therapy, Raph. Yeah. yeah. Dude, his uh, like the zoom in on his face with mm-hmm. how like excited he is to cause pain. I'm like Man, like I love this kid. He definitely needs to go talk to somebody. Uh, the Donatello in that moment being like, "I ended up with a stick. How did I end up with a stick?" Which is a good. What am I supposed to do? A great callback later where you can use. Man, I need something long and hard so I could do the game. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it all. Every joke almost has a has a, has a comeback. Uh, I think my personal favorite fight scene, and it is almost like a montage, but it is a no diggity fight. Oh, it's hundred. Where it's match cutting between the four different uh, crime families they're fighting. That is probably. I, there, I've seen a lot of movies this year. That might be my favorite sequence of the year. Across, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Across like, the Spider Verse is is overall a more impressive, and I and I really love it. Animated film, yes. But for me, the no diggity sequence is going to be the animated sequence I'm going to leave the year absolutely about Dude, all the time. It is it is so perfectly. Whoever edited this shot specifically deserves an Oscar. Like truly, that whole sequence of like all the different guys rising up at the same time, and it's just cutting between them and the four turtles using their different weaponry. And the director said itself, "This is inspired from Old Boy, which is one of my favorite movies." So anytime something is inspired by like, I'm like, oh, I love it. It's great, but it is so seamless. And again, it's it's Black Street's No Diggity, which is in a PG animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. That's just something that like would never happen in Man. any in any world. 
they have this really fluid rotating shot near the end of the montage where like the turtles are are going through their action beats but it's changing the location that they're in as they go and it, it does such a good job of showcasing them all center i like that every time they burst through a door it's not unlike the picture behind us it's not leonardo yeah uh, always at the head of it yeah and they go after some of the most dangerous criminals like normal nate who's just an upstanding <laughs> businessman <laughs> God, I love all that. I love it. I'm just an upstanding businessman. <laughs> or like, uh, uh, what, like talking to pay, to pay Tom. Yeah, no, I, I don't talk, but if I were to talk, <laughs> love it. Uh, it. It felt like, again, like the parts of this movie feel like really good, like Spider-Man stuff. It's just like, it is a really good superhero movie. And like, it's weird to think that like, these guys, they are superheroes. Like they are from comics. They are inspired from Daredevil. Like it's weird to think that like for 30 years, I've never really thought of them as superheroes, but like they are, they are vigilantes. Yeah, right. It's like, this one is they're like, all daredevil. Parents. They're all daredevil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 stick is is splinter. Like all that stuff. I love it. Um, I'm just I'm just so in love with this movie. I think it's great. Um, I really really wish it was doing a little bit better. Like I'm not worried about the future of the franchise, but like this is one of those movies where like man, if this would have came out at a different time, like it could have made twice as much money because it it really deserves it. The thing that's so frustrating to see about a film like this doing not doing as well as you think it should is that you know. To be fair, like animated films have uh, have been doing great in general this 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 year outside of Across the Spider Verse, which is great. It's wonderful. Even Elemental had to have legs in order to do better than it started at. Um, yeah. And I, I think this film will absolutely have legs. People will come to it. Um, and I think that there is a an un, an unfortunate stigma probably against the TMNT towards the general public. They're just not as interested as 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 probably should be but you mm -hmm. look at films like into the spider-verse puss in boots um, uh Mitchell versus the machines which didn't actually see a theatrical uh release so it's probably not a great example but the idea that the audience that we're seeing such interesting and experimental things happening in animation spaces um and you and you have these movies that are critically well received and are are definitely things that people are, are saying hey go see this because this is something different this is not something we've seen in the animation space before this is something that's pushing animation to something that you as the audience have never seen before and will likely not see again because they will keep pushing into different avenues into different features and to see them not doing well in the box office is kind of a bummer because you want the, you want the inventiveness you want the experimentations to do really well so that you can keep pushing and yeah. on the other side of that it is nice that the creators and the studios to give them a little bit of credit is are still willing even though they're not doing as well as they as we want them to are still willing to keep pushing the animation uh, the animation these things are doing even further and continue on this experimentation. It's just nice yeah. that they are still allowed to exist, even though they're yeah. not doing as well as you want them to. So this movie worldwide has made a hundred million dollars, and that's like a little bit over its budget. This movie, like surprisingly, didn't cost that much because I think just you know producing it the way they did, like they're able to like be really cost effective. But like this is not a success. Like and no like, crunch, and there was no crunch. And there's no crunch, which is great, but like, you know, with marketing budget and all that stuff, like this movie's not making the money it, it needs to, to be like a huge success, which really bums me out because like, no, I don't think this is like better than, than potentially across Spider-Verse, but I do think it is on par. I think like, I, I, think it's I better love than it. Super Mario Brothers. It is infinitely oh. better than Super Mario Brothers. That dumbass movie oh made my God. too much money. Made over a billion. No offense, Ben. Made over a no, billion. No, no, hey, none take, hey. I came out of that movie the same thing you guys. I wanted to love it. I just enjoy it. And I like the soundtrack a yeah. hell of a lot more, especially when the yeah. soundtrack was actually in the film. But that's neither here nor there. Although oh, I will agree that this movie not making as much money as Mario Bros is a freaking crime against humanity. 
but because this movie is especially with this TMNT movie, because I was trying to, I was thinking it back because there was for a time, I felt like that we were getting a lot of Ninja Turtles properties. I mean, not like one after the other immediately, but there was like a new Ninja Turtles property, be it a new television show or even a new movie in the works. So, so I was, when this movie was announced, part of me was like, Oh, another one. Okay. I mean, the Ninja Turtles are popular. I do enjoy them. I had, I didn't yeah. see the one where it was just TMNT, you know, it was just all the only the first letter, I did see the Bay films and I did like enjoy the Bay films for what they were. That 2007 one's good. Yeah. And then when, after walking out of this one, I was like, this is probably my favorite iteration of the turtles ever. And mm-hmm. I'm, that's coming from someone who did grow up singing then the original Ninja Turtles theme song, who loved the original cartoon, who that played the arcade game at Chuck E. Cheese with us where there was a slice of pizza waiting for me. And this one just feels just encapsulates it encapsulates what the turtles should have been. I mean, of course, you look you look back at the original comics that um that were made as you know they're dark, they're black and white. They're, the turtles look mean and angry, but then you see this one's like these are teenagers. This is like seeing them evolve throughout the years into this being the next iteration is perfect. It's like they are teenage mutant ninja turtles. Yeah. It's, and they have and they have character they have great character development they have great character arcs they're not just like the stereotypes that we've known them throughout i mean yes donnie is very technically inclined but the fact that he's driving and he's a kick-ass driver is just like fantastic i absolutely love it like when splinter goes donnie you should be driving he's like all those years of playing forza paid off oh splinter says you shouldn't be driving but if you were to keep driving you should turn left <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. I love this movie. I absolutely, I like Ryan said. I have no negatives for this film. I'm, I'm all. so excited because again, it's already been like announced. Like we're getting a show and a sequel, no matter what. So Which like, encourages me because it shows that the studios have a faith. lot of faith in the artists and yeah. what they're creating and like going to support their vision. Yeah, and like this movie <clears throat> might not be making gangbusters, but like word of mouth has really helped it continue to go along more than it than than initially. And people love this movie critically think, and and the regular people. I think we it can be an Into the Spider Verse situation where like you know. Into the Spider-Verse didn't do as well as it should have either mm-hmm. sure, sure. when it came out because it was in competition with Aquaman and people just weren't convinced by the trailers to go see it. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. it did have good word of mouth, but, like, the box office on Into the Spider-Verse was not what the long legs of when it went to Netflix and everything and people saw it later yes. uh, would have generated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this could be a similar situation where just me and Mayhem will not necessarily have the huge success of box office, but when it gets to home video, people might be like, yo, what? Why did we sleep on this? Yeah, that's uh-huh. exactly what I was saying. Like, I, I think this is very much an Into the spider situation um i don't remember the box office for puss and boots but i know that it wasn't as great as it could have been or as even as it should have been i know it was probably better than into spider verse but this is very much a, a situation where i do believe that once this film hits paramount plus people are going to find it and people are going to watch it people are going to love it it's like one of those it's like on a when you're on twitter and someone's like i just watched Dungeons and dragons how come nobody told me this movie was good and, and it's like, like we the, all did because the yeah. 10 people who did see it were screaming about it and nobody listened or, or it's, it's like always, or, early, or earlier this year when people are like, hey, so video games have like I just saw The Last of Us and video games have like story like that. And every video game player is like, yes. Uh, how's that going, Ben? How's that? How's that? How's that watch? They're going. There's also um, when you look at something like when you look at something like uh, Into the Spider-Verse, a good example would also be Across the Spider-Verse because Across the Spider-Verse did better than Into the Spider-Verse. It had really good legs because people found it and people were excited about seeing the sequel. And I think. And, and I think when people, when TMNT Mutant Mayhem 2 or whatever it's going to be called, TMNT 2, when it comes out, 
because of the legs that I believe it will have on streaming, uh, that movie will do better and it will, it it will do the, it will get the money that it, that this film deserved and that that film deserved. I, I, I'd absolutely think that. I think this movie is, it is so good that it will, it will reach people who, who probably initially wouldn't have seen it. Oh yeah. You know, like I think, I think, I think it merits, like, I don't think you have to be, uh, you can watch this movie not being a TMNT fan, and I think it can turn you into one. And if not, you just watched an incredible movie anyway. Like, you don't have to be subscribed to the whole universe. You just watched a great movie anyway. Yeah. I was talking about this with Ryan. I'll, I'll, there's another point I wanted to bring up about this movie. I was talking about it with Ryan when we got out of the film. The film is only an hour and a half long. It does not feel an hour and a half long. It feels like a two-hour epic, but it doesn't feel... But it, the thing I love about this movie is that the pacing is... It's fluid. You don't feel that's an hour and a half. You feel like you just walked out of a two-hour epic film. But no, it's only been an hour and a half. You got an extra thirty yeah. minutes. It's not like earlier, like Super Mario Bros., where it's just like boom, 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 boom. Like you're constantly speed running. No joke intended. You're speed running through the movie. Whereas this one, it takes time to where it simmers. It simmers, and when it's action packed, it's action packed, and you're invested the whole time through. That it warps your reality of time or your concept of time and i really enjoy that i think that's a the sign of a fantastic well-paced very tight very essentially well-made out 90 minute film because it does not feel like 90 minutes right it's tight yeah it's got a lot packed into it um i think they do a really good job on delivering on on everything that they're doing i want to highlight um some things like the the bowling scene where they all go together and hang out. Oh yeah, I think it's really great. Um, I I think it's really great for a couple of reasons. One is the the way they split the turtles up with bonding with different sections of the team. You got Raph with a uh, uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, and they're all just like punching shit. And oh, they're doing like, yeah, the they're punching doing machine. machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think all that stuff really works. Also, I wanted to highlight that the neon animation mm-hmm. for all of them in there because they're in this black light neon stuff. Uh, it, it really pops. It's really, really vibrant for all the characters. It really looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really like it. And then it has one of my, one of my favorite lines they make Ice Cube say, which is uh, when he's talking about like, you know how people have dog shows and horse oh, yeah. races. Well, maybe we'll have, you know, redhead shows and fat booty boy races. <laughs> fat booty boy races killed me. And he says it so fast. Fat booty boy races. Like, what did you just say? What a benevolent leader. I'm open to all suggestions. No what? wrong answers, but pitch your ideas. <laughs> Life seems all right, if you ask me. <laughs> the the Rachel uh, Rachel's moment when she runs into the film studio and she you know, swallows April. back her puke. Rachel. April. April. Thank you. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, she runs into the studio and she champions for the turtles. Yeah. That sounds like a point I was about to make, but it's gone. Uh, I think that's a really good beat where she has to swallow down the the puke, the puke and uh, they they already have the the graphic up of the mutants that features oh the turtles God. and the rest, and it's like no, 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 they're actually fighting the giant kite, and then she does puke, and they just yes. zoom in. They just zoom just in, don't worry about it. Tighten up, and she's like, don't worry about that. Again, I I probably would have been okay. If like if if it was sort of a different arc where it was like oh the turtles are hated are hated and like they have to work to gain the respect of New York like I would have been fine with that arc too for the trajectory of like the next movie and stuff right but they don't do that no they don't do that they 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 do the positive side and they do acceptance and like oh no these people are trying to help us and the dude who goes to reach his hand out 
and Splinter. Oh God, I'm so glad that it's Splinter and not yes, like the turtles. Yes, hundred percent. That and he's like, "Yo, do you need help?" And like, he doesn't care that he's a rat man. Like, he cares that he's like New York and he needs help. And like, and I love that. And of course, he needed the information first. But like, I think that it's cool that he was just like, "Yo, let's help you out." And then there's the Spider-Man moment of everyone, all the humans helping out, throwing the shit around. I'm like, I want to point. This is incredible. I want to point out something that Jeremy pointed out to me, and I thought was like, "Damn, dude, you're right." Um, a lot of people in. Would you say everybody in New York is helping out the turtles? Everybody's getting involved. You got all kinds of different people. Yeah. Is anybody missing that you would expect to be part of that party? The police. The police. Yeah. The police do not help. A hundred percent. It's really, really cool. They know what they they're. They know what they're doing. Firefighters help. The police do not help, and there is only one cop, kind of at the end, who walks into frame <laughs> and goes. We did it <laughs> at the end when it's all done, and I was like, "Damn, it's a good catch!" Yeah, pretty good commentary, y'all. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I thought that was God. That ending scene is just—it's really, really well done. It's a super fun, yeah. and uh, uh, like sl- chase slash like they gotta blow up this big horse man, horse whale. Uh, the arc for Leonardo at the end, um, getting them to, to like. You know, we we were like April. We were doing this for the wrong reasons. We need to just do this because we should. We should mm-hmm. help. And and getting them to recognize, like, you're what's what's the thing you're better at, even better than Mark Ruffalo? Improv. <laughs> um, and and uh, Donatello bringing him in with the um, Attack on Titan stuff, which is so good. Yes, I can't stress you guys enough how much they're like they really are connecting with the generation because they're so deeply not only referencing attack on Titan, but directly using attack on Titan as a plot device of how they figure yeah. out to stop super. They do the thing. They do the salute. Like they it, do the salute. Like they, they figure out like it's on the back of the neck, yeah. just like the blowhole. Um, and that's how they're going to beat him. Um, this movie integrating. Is, that is so cool. Yeah. This movie. It's very reference heavy. But it, I, I was never distracted or it felt out of place where I felt like, you know, this is product placement. Like, you know. No, it felt you, like kids who like felt, things. Yeah. And like the way we bring up like nerd things, like them just bringing up Avengers Endgame didn't feel like, oh, they're trying to throw in a big pop culture reference. Like, no, we do that shit all the time. All the time. And like, it just felt natural. And like, and like, I'm glad it didn't feel forced. And again, when you have older people writing, like, like it, it just, everything felt natural, as you said earlier. That, everything that felt goes, natural. Yeah, that just goes back to the fact that these kids... Uh, being re- able to riff and being able to throw out pop culture references as they would in their own conversation is not not doing it because some computers somewhere said this will make x amount of money if you say attack on titan no this kid likes attack on titan they even said in the interview like the reason why this attack on titan reference is in it is because the the kid who plays donatello is a fan of attack on titan dude the- he, he's doing that the kid who plays Leonardo is so funny. I don't know if you follow him, but he's like straight up like anti-fascist, very much like anti-cop. He's like, while he's promoting this movie, he was putting stuff on Instagram and TikTok where it's like, it's a picture of, of Leonardo, both his voice going like, yo, F the police! As his, it's just like, this is really awesome. They really got <laughs> incredible, incredible kids to play these characters. And I cannot, I'm really excited to see them grow. Cause like, they're going to be, they're teenagers, but like, is this a franchise where we see them grow into like young adults? Because that is super cool to that's, see too. That's what I want. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's also a really great interview you guys should seek out. I, I don't remember which one it is, but it's where the kids are sitting with Ice Cube and they're telling him the lingo oh, of, yes. of yes. like today and like Ice Cube getting the generation smack of like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they have to explain Rizzing to him. Yeah, yeah charisma. 
the kid who plays uh Raph. He's the big one, right? Raph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he uh he's he's the he's one of the kids from Good Boys. Um yeah. and uh Mighty Ducks Game Changers, uh, where he's the lead. I really like that kid. Um so I'm I'm really so I'm really happy to see him here again, even if it's just to, to hear his hear his voice. I'm really excited for that kid's trajectory and all these kids now that I I've never seen any of the other kids, but I'm excited to see where all they go in their careers because I think they're all yeah. very good. Yeah, I really I really like all their voices, but yeah, uh uh Raph. He's got like a great, like kind of like raspy voice. And I just really appreciate a good raspy kid, like especially like a kid being able to do that. I'm like, man, I love these guys. Like I'm I mean, really uh, it's like it feels like you know we we are involved in so many ips and so many different things and it's like i'm not really invested in tmnt and this isn't like i'm not going to start reading all the comics immediately but like i am now invested in this tmnt universe i am like i am ecstatic to hear the next news we hear about whatever happens next uh i th- th- i am i am a full-on believer in this specific chapter of the tmnt universe i think it's just i think it's just heavenly uh mm-hmm. a far cry from the you know dark black and white mature daredevil version from the 80s but like they're both they're both valid man like i i love it i think it's oh, yeah it just goes for how cool adaptation can be like when done right mm-hmm. yeah um leonardo's voice also was one of one of the gumballs yeah th- that guy he is really funny yeah he that makes sense yeah i've seen that kid do other shit before like during gumball too that guy yeah, is yeah. really good he's also apparently in the, the walking dead the world beyond Oh, that's the good one we want to watch. Yeah, too. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's kids making me a believer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some just other things I wanted to highlight. Uh, when when Splinter is doing the the drunken master, say like trying to save the the boys fight. Um, and he ends up in the the locker crate with all the their. Gear. Oh, and he comes out. That's really sick. And he comes out like fully... yeah, he's got all their stuff on. I, uh, I thought that was really cool. What does that what does that machine say? Does that say milk machine? Yeah, I told you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like the Mega Milker 3000 or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh we didn't talk about the the bit specifically, but the hey, what's going on, especially when they slam the brake and they launch them through the windshield. Hey, hey what's going oh. on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they use the meme version of of uh, uh two non blondes. Hey, 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 and I'm like yeah. That is a 10-year-old meme song. Like, that is definitely a Seth Rogen thing. That's not something a 15-year-old. <laughs> That's really good. Um, all right. Yeah, all the music just score and needle drop just really, really the bad. way that Trent Reznor's and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nail fame, uh, they've done they did Watchmen and the social network and like all of David Fincher's stuff, and they also are doing an animated TMNT movie. Like, man, the balls, the respect, like they are so good. This is such a a like this movie looks gross and the soundtrack sounds gross. It sounds grimy. I love the electronic grime that's like, I love it. I've been listening to it on Spotify a lot. Also the name of a lot of the, 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 the track listing is really funny. It's like kill the Shreks. This is the Mark Ruffalo track. It's just, it's really, really funny. I, I, I love it again from yeah. top to bottom, everything about this movie. It's like, uh, and the one other thing I'll highlight is that this film does ask one of the most important questions it could possibly ask in the world of the turtles. What is their last name? <laughs> Nardo, Angelo, Raphael, Tello. Oh, Tello. Uh, Trent Reznor did Soul. Soul. Yes. Yeah. Killing it. What a cool dude. Uh, all right. Anything else you guys want to bring up, or I think that'll do it. I, I just love it. I think it's great. Like I can't. Like I will. 
I will definitely like watch this again on Paramount. I'll just like mm-hmm. put it on just because like whether I'm looking at it or listening to it, I'm having a I'm having a great time. We'll watch it on 4K downstairs. Oh, Off the Steelbook, the big the big yeah. FU TV. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that'll do it. So why don't we rate it? Uh, ben, why don't you go first? There's no other rating for it. It's a 10 out of 10. This movie is, I have no negatives. This movie is solid beginning to end. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, I'll, I'll just be repeating everything I was saying earlier, but this is definitely the best Ninja Turtles media I have seen in a very, very long time. I mean, not to throw shade at the other ones. I know, like, I've seen the fight scene from Resident Ninja Turtles, the one with Shredder and Casey Cassidy Jones and everything. Fantastic animation. But this one is just, it, it the bar is up, and it's fantastic, and it's great, and I cannot wait for more. Uh, Casey Jones. You corrected yourself to say Cassie Jones, which is interesting. No, uh, and in that show, she's Cassidy Jones, but her, like, it's a girl. Her, full, her full name is Cassidy. You're right. Or Cassandra, I, Cassandra right. excuse me. Her full name is Cassandra, excuse me. But yeah, it, it is Casey Jones. Is, you're right. I watched five episodes of that. Why didn't I know that? Sparks? No, I just I just know from that one little fight scene that they they post online all the time. It is dope. I've also always seen that. Me? Sparks. Oh, me? Oh, um, I mean, is anybody shocked? It's a 10. Um, it's <laughs> it's so good. I <laughs> I laugh a lot, I love a lot. Uh, I, I have no qualms. I was, I was just completely endeared to the world, to the characters. Um, the humor is so strong. I'm so glad I saw it with, uh, again with folks like Jeremy and Xander, because people laugh at all kinds of things. I don't expect them to laugh at like Jeremy just like lost his shit when, uh, they have this bit where they're walking back through the subway and there's just a bunch of teens on the platform. Oh, and one under? Of them, yeah, yeah. And they're going under. And one of them just says, man, I love being young and free to go wherever we want. Yeah. And everyone's <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, it's a great movie. It's just a great time. It's a great hang. It's a great vibe. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I was the only person in the theater to laugh at that joke. <laughs> good joke. Good job. Ryan? It's also a 10. I, I, I know I love this movie and discussing you guys like, this it's it's shooting up there on that list man like i don't think like i don't know if this is like gonna be my favorite movie of the year but like the way that i feel about it now i'm certainly more positive in my feelings than like most of the other movies that i've given similar high scores on like I, there's just something about this movie that's like it's just really special and like again the fact that it's animated and like something like this like doesn't get to get made all the time uh it just feels really special um uh, and I just really appreciate it. And again, it's with a franchise I don't really like care about a lot. Uh, uh, it just goes so it's like anything could be good, anything could be jolly in, you know, just put love behind it and, and I'll show up. Yeah. 10, 10, 11 out of 10. Well, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I don't have anything negative to say about the movie, quite frankly, but it didn't, it doesn't connect with me on a level that did you guys. Um, and again, going back to what I said in the very beginning of this episode that. Yeah, I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. I didn't love it, and I wanted to love it. I wish I did love it, but I it didn't it didn't hit me. It didn't get me to the point where I was just like jazzed about it and like whooping and hollering and like want to think about nothing other than this movie. Like I have even another Jeff Rowe film, which is Mitchell's Rest of the Machines, which I think about constantly. Like every day, I'm thinking about that movie. Um, like I just. Uh, unfortunately, I just didn't love it as much as I wish I did. So uh, for me, it'll be an 8.5. Hey, man, that's still a incredibly high score. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very respectable. 
Um, okay, well, that'll do it, guys. So thank you for joining us on this TMNT Mutant Mayhem review. That was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Um, happy to be back after the strikes. Happy you guys to get to see this. Um, so be sure to check out our website where you can check out all the shows um, that are that have been impacted by the strike. So you can catch up if you're interested. Or you can check out other things, uh, uh, other shows that you maybe didn't know we had. Or whatever you want to do, everything is on the website at fakenerpodcast.com, which is linked below. If you'd like to support us financially, you can, of course, check out our Public and our Patreon. Uh, which are also linked below. And you can check us out on our socials at Fickner Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook, uh, guys at gmail.com. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for CPR.com, AtomicKingdom.com, and KaijuRamenMedia.com. Ben, where can people find you? Well, you can find me training to take on the Shredder at BenMaga27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads. And you can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein in D&D Dark. New episodes out Wednesdays. Well, actually, when, I don't know when this is coming out. Yeah, you don't but, know but, shit, man. You no, don't know don't, shit. You're right. I don't know shit. <laughs> it's 2025. Man, you can be on season two, season three. Who knows by now? <laughs> I could. Who knows? Ben, it's 2026. What are you talking about? The End Dark has been canceled for three years. The show doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the, internet, the internet's been down. Nobody's watching this. Uh, Sparks, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me probably getting into Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Trolls really soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. SPRKZ Witty also having played Treasure's Revenge. And probably, honestly, at this point, the DLC with these guys and Grayson, sure. which isn't out at the time of recording, but is almost certainly recorded by the time this is released. True that. And Ryan. Hey, you could find me joining Grayson, Ben, and Sparks uh, playing uh, Yusagi Ujimbo or Karai, the daughter of Splinter, I think that's the case, or the adopted daughter of Splinter from the comics. Uh, in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles DLC, it's a long outro at DJ Tony Snark everywhere. All the time. All right, guys, make sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel, subscribe on your podcast of choice, rate and review wherever you get us. And until next time we see us, guys, stay Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga, dudes.